Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And talk is heating up surrounding an NHL's return to play. We'll break down what we know and when we'll find out more. Then, Igor Sokolov, part two. Sorry for making you wait. Took the day off, but part two, just as fun as part one. He talks about his development through those three years in junior We even bring up that story that Gerard Shaw told him about how he didn't think he could play pro and what Igor did. Plus, when can we see Timmy Superstar back on the ice? This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, November 12th, and at 3.30, the NHL Board of Governors will have a conference call and The result should be a recommendation to the Players Association as to which direction the NHL plans to go for this 2021 season. Pilsy, what are we thinking about an all-Canadian division? Yeah, it seems like of all the ideas and things floating around, that's the most concrete thing we have to go on. It seems all reporters are saying that's the most likely event is that there's going to be an all-Canadian division. And Look, I think the NHL would prefer to keep the division alignments as it was, but with COVID going on, this is more of a government problem than the league problem, right? So they're going with what they can do. And frankly, I think it'd be the right decision for for Canada to not allow the normal divisions and travel through these countries. So an all-Canadian division is going to be really interesting, and I can't wait to get all these rivalries. And this is nice, too, because it's hard as uh, East... East Coast people to see Connor McDavid all the time, to get to see Elias Pedersen. We're going to get to see a lot more of these young stars that we only catch glimpses of uh, late night games. So I'm excited for that for sure. And it's still up in the air whether there's going to be four bubbles where teams come in and out. There was one situation that where that is the case and it would be two weeks you go into the bubble, you play as much as you can. It's not like they're doing much else, but you do need to put in some time for rest, of course. But then you leave for a week and you go back to your home and your families and rapid testing does seem like it will be involved. And that is a huge boost, something that wasn't available in the NHL's real bubble during the playoffs. But I like the idea. I love the idea of the Canadian division. Now, we already talked about a few days ago whether the Sens would compete better in an all-Canadian division or the Atlantic Almost a rhetorical question because it's clearly the Atlantic. You have the Detroit Red Wings in it, for crying out loud. The Buffalo Sabres are in the Atlantic division. But, Pilsy, if there is a team in the Canadian division that the Senators have a chance to finish higher than, who are we looking at? Well, right off the top, uh, my statement is I don't think there's a team, a Canadian team, that the Senators will be ahead of. If, if I'm being honest, I think they'll probably, <laughs> they'll probably be at the bottom of that. But whatever, it's not a big deal. If there was one team, we talked about this off-air, the one thing we're looking at for shortened seasons, goaltending. And the team with the weakest goaltending easily, by far, I would even say the Senators have better goaltending than them, oh, is man. the Edmonton Oilers. Two-time cup champion net for the Ottawa Senators. Don't know if you guys heard, but with the Edmonton Oilers, that's not the case. They got, like, how Pierre Dorian loves size on defense. 
Seems like the Oilers like that in goal. Like Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen are both enormous human beings with enormous holes in their, uh, in their game as well. So I think that that – and also, now we don't cheer for injuries, but we know Connor McDavid has had a couple major surgeries. If there is one guy who could, you could take out of a lineup and their team just plummets, that's the team I'm looking at as well. And you look at their history. Leon Dreisaitl, he's pretty good, I hear. Yeah, I know, but what's he going to do by himself? I feel like he's so good at riding shotgun, and I'm not trying to discount the Hart Trophy winner. This guy just won the MVP. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm looking at their back end. I'm looking how they play in their own zone. Hey, even Leon Dreisaitl, what was he in December? Like a minus 20 in one month this year? So defensively, not his game either. And then you look at who they actually have on the back end. Like when Adam Larson's your number one guy, because Clefbaum had big surgery. I don't even know if he's going to be back in time for the start of the season. So Edmonton, I have circled there. And Philzy, do you think that the history of that team also lends to why we're leaning Edmonton? Yeah, they've uh, they've struggled to uh, really meet their expectations. That's for sure. And I I think uh, you're talking about Edmonton's back end. I actually think Tyson Berry was a nice addition for them, and I expect a massive bounce back season for Tyson Berry, especially like. This was a contract year for him with the Leafs. Like, I bet he was thinking he's going to Toronto. He's going to light it up. He's going to be one of their top defensemen near Morgan Riley. And then he's going to get a massive payday. That didn't happen. I think he's going to come back with some vengeance. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he just signed a one-year deal with Edmonton. So he's still got that in mind. And I think he's going to have a really good season for them. Yeah, but that's the same that was said last year. And my favorite when he signed in Edmonton was, oh, well, he's going to get to play with these skilled guys on the power play. He was on the Leafs' first unit playing with Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Nylander. Like, what more do you want to try to get your offense going? Now, I know he played better after the coaching change, but I don't see him as a guy who's going to come in and put up that 50, 60 points that I think a number one offensive defenseman needs to do to be a successful team in the NHL. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I just I don't see him repeating after that year, and I feel like a lot of guys uh, are going to have bounce back seasons this year. So it's it's going to be interesting. And uh, yeah, I think Edmonton is that team that we're penciling the Sens uh, at least trying to bounce ahead of. So that's a team who you can focus on. Sens fans is the one who to catch in that Canadian team. Let's do a quick power rankings, Pilsy. I'll lead off, and then you tell me if you agree or disagree. I'll go from the bottom up. I do agree the Ottawa Senators seventh in that situation. And mind you, this is in a shortened season that I'm doing these projections. So Ottawa in last, then I have Edmonton. Then it gets interesting because I see a big group where you can flip-flop these however you'd like. However, I have the Calgary Flames in that spot. Then the Winnipeg Jets, they just don't have as much talent as they have as I feel they did a couple of years ago. And now you're into the top three. So third place, I've got the Montreal Canadiens. Second place, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the young core of the Vancouver Canucks is only going to get better. And on the heels of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser, I know they lost a few guys this offseason, but the growth in those guys, I think, pushes them to number one. Yeah, so I have a similar list to you, but my biggest discrepancy is where you had the Habs. I have them a lot lower. So I've got Ottawa at number seven. Then if Edmonton's goaltending struggles, I've got them at number six. Then I have the Habs at number five. I'm not sure, so sure the Josh Anderson move is going to pay off. We'll see. 
Um, the Tyler Toffoli pickup was a nice one, but I just I don't know about these halves. We'll we'll see how they do. Shortened season though, and you're looking at the best goalie in the world. Uh, it uh, is Carey Price still the best goalie in the world? I would I would put Vasilevsky, yeah. Hellebuck. Kind I don't know. That. I think those days are past them, to be honest. And uh, M- Montreal, they had some nice pickups, but I'm not convinced this is a new team just quite yet. And then, yeah, I have Calgary ahead of Montreal. Then I got Winnipeg. Then I've got Vancouver. And then I've got Toronto as the top team. I think I think the veteran presence is really going to help Toronto. And I think uh, the addition of TJ Brody was a massive move for them. I think he's going to fit in really nicely there. Huge upgrade over Tyson Berry for sure. Did you see that article in the Toronto Star that they might try three defensemen and two forwards? The most trash article. I didn't even click on it. Didn't want to give it the click. Yeah, it's interesting. And that uh, that all stems from, I think his name is Jack Han. And he used to be the Marley's assistant coach. Actually, I'm, I'm reading a book of his right now. I forget what, what the title of the book is, The Hockey Tactics or something. It's pretty interesting. I would highly recommend it uh, if you guys are looking for kind of a anecdotal uh, statistical approach to the game of hockey. It's pretty interesting. So it's funny that it's coming from him. But I don't know. I honestly thought if you're the Leafs, you go the other way. You play four forwards and one defenseman. That would be my thinking. Like to add another defenseman and cut out a skilled offensive guy for the Leafs seems like a head scratcher move for me. But I would I would love to see uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs try that and have it absolutely fall on their face. I think that'd be hilarious. And I wonder what Guy Boucher thinks of this. That that would make his eleven and seven seem like a genius move if you're playing three D at a time. Yeah, at that point, you just go 8-8 eight and eight or 8-10. and ten. Not a math guy. I don't even know if that adds up to a full roster. So, Pilsy, we had to make him wait one extra day. We went down to the five shows. Hey, if, if NHL is coming back, we're going right back to six shows. Don't think for a second we're skipping a beat. But what a tease because Igor Sokolov may be the best talker for a guy who barely knew English three years ago. What an incredible growth from him, just from honestly, just like a language perspective, like to go from Google translating in the hot tub with Drake Batherson to be able to confidently come on a podcast and do a full interview was incredible. And I want to hit on a couple things that I really liked about Igor and surprise, surprise, their character and attitude based. When we asked him about Gerard Shaw and um, that whole story, he said, I didn't want to do it to prove Gerard Shaw wrong or other people wrong. I did this for myself. And that's where you see a lot of growth from someone when they're like, I don't care about what other people do. I'm doing this because I want to do it. It's about me. And I loved hearing that. And then the second thing I love hearing is him just saying he loves seeing people smile. Like he, he wants to make people happy. Like that's the kind of guy you need in your locker room. I know it sounds silly and corny, but a positive attitude goes a long way. And you can see it from Igor that he's just a happy-go-lucky guy that wants to do his best. And I can see it in the future already. Plenty of Igor Sokolov jerseys in whatever organization, whether it's Belleville or Ottawa. This guy's going to be a fan favorite. He's impossible not to cheer for. And you can bet he's going to be a friend of the show eventually after training camp. We'll get him back on. Stay tuned for the end of this interview, too. I asked him if he wants to apologize because he wore a Leafs jersey at their development camp in, I think, 2018 or 19. Uh, he was there. But you mentioned that Shaw story. That's at the start because, as we mentioned, this is part two. So if you haven't heard part one, go listen to that first. And then part two. Here he is, Igor Sokolov. 
you mentioned a couple of awards. No doubt you led the entire league in goal scoring, but it wasn't always easy. You had to work your way up slow and steady. And we talked to Gerard Shaw, and he said he gave us a story. He said, I don't know if Igor is going to want me to tell this story, but he told it. He said he had you in his office at the end of one of the seasons, and he asked you if you wanted to play pro. He said you couldn't do it at 242 pounds. Was that an eye-opening experience for you? And how did you turn that into a positive? Yeah, obviously, like Gerard said, like, I didn't cry. Like, obviously, I didn't cry. But, uh, you know, I just, you know, took it as a just, you know, like, obviously, it wasn't a positive thing. But at the same time, I took it as a positive. I have three months of work to put up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back home to see my family, have a rest, rest my body a bit. And then I'm going to go back to work. And uh, I knew that I'm going to make out of those three months the most of it, you know, try to get in best shape as possible and you know keep working on my skating and just you know have a right mindset before season start that's my last chance to you know put my last name on the radars for uh nhl scouts so i just had a right mindset and i worked pretty hard over summer and i just knew what i'm facing and especially i was excited with you know new organization new coach so it was like just a new page in my books basically I knew it's just, you know, like those 18 years I put in hockey or whatever, 11. And number 12 is going to be just the next page. It's going to be next chapter. You know what I mean? So, so and uh, I just, you know, took everything as a positive thing, you know, extra kick in my butt. And, um, you know, was really looking forward to see a new coach and start working with him. And, uh, you know, we both like looked at each other's eyes and said to each other, like I said to him, I want to win. And he said exact same thing to me. And I said, I'm going to help you to win. And he said, I'm going to make most of uh, that year just like, you know, help you grow as a player and a person. So it was just the right mindset and, you know, and all the extra work I put in the, in the gym and on the ice. Yeah, I think that's the perfect attitude. And I think that's probably the response Gerard Shaw wanted to see from you. And he had a lot of good things to say about you, not only on the ice, Igor, but off the ice as well. We all saw that story of you helping out delivering groceries around town during the pandemic and stuff. What was that like for you? That must have been a bit of a shock. Like you were expecting to go on a big run with the Eagles and then everything shut down and then you can't even go home safely. What was your mindset uh, when you decided, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to help out in the community? I thought it was, um, you know, I spoke to my parents right away after that. And uh, I said to them, like, listen, I'm going I'm to have to fly through four, maybe five airport, airports. And it's a, just a peak of pandemic. Then people just don't know they're sick and they just spread it. So I said, like, I don't know, like, I'm going to come back home and I'm going to put you in risk. Because I wouldn't know if I got it. It's going to take two weeks to show, but I have no place to stay and isolate or do something, right? So, and I said to them, like, you know, like, like Gerard said yesterday in, uh, in his, whatever was it interview, I listened to that. And he said that I could use the Eagles gym, basically, and work out there. And, you know, you, so I said to myself, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm in good shape, but what if I make myself be in better shape? And I won't have that opportunity back home in Russia. Everything is shut down. So I said to myself, you know what, like, I don't know when I'm going to play hockey once again, but, you know, whenever that time comes, I'm going to be more than ready and I'm going to be more than prepared and I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be faster and I'm, you know. So, and I just said that and I'm going to do that. And then uh, my billets, they own the grocery store back back in Cape Breton. And uh, me and my billet mom came up to that idea and I said, you know what, like, 
I have nothing else to do. And I want to get back to com- community somehow to Cape Breton, what they've done for me past, past three years and basically get back to my uh, billet family, what they've done to me, right? They're keeping me around for like, what, nine, eight, nine months or so. They, you know, they could have just kicked me out and said, yeah, you go back to Russia, right? So, you know, I want to get back to them. And, uh, and I think it was pretty awesome. I think it was pretty cool. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. And, you know, because I'm happy when people are smiling and, you know, I'm happy when people are happy. So, you know, and I, I thought it was just a great way to get back to Cape Breton, like just a city and uh, Cape Breton Eagles organization and my, my billet family. Man, that's such a great story. And I mean, it just kind of makes for me the connection to your personality with kind of the East Coast personality in general of always being salt of the earth and and wanting to give back and make everyone else around them, uh, you know, smile, just like you said. So what in your three years in Nova Scotia, what's been the biggest culture shock where you're like, wait, you guys do what? Say hi and how are you to every random person you see? When you're walking across a street in Halifax and you're not even at a crosswalk and the cars will just stop and be like, no, go ahead. Yeah, like how, how it was just the biggest mind blown for me that how friendly people are here. Like if I would be back home, I would never say, nobody would ever ask me how, how I'm doing, like random people I don't know, right? So I think that was just the biggest, like, biggest thing for me. Like I was shocked. And like when my parents had the opportunity to come over there, like here in Cape Breton, uh, they were just like, wow, like people are so friendly here. I was like, yeah, exactly. Like Schooner or Keith? What's the second word? Oh, Alexander Keith. Well, if you're having a pint after, after a game, are you going with Beer. a Keith or a Schooner? I don't know. Well, I don't know. What, are you, what is that? Oh, right. Yeah, we're, on, we're on the juice cleanse, right? I never heard that. Schooner, it's a new word I learned in English. You know, my English is good, but not perfect yet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we're excited to have, uh, have you whenever training camp does open coming to Ottawa. I do want to ask you one other thing before we let you go. Would you like to apologize for wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey at development camp? <laughs> I had no other options. <laughs> what, uh, what was that experience like, though? You're in Toronto for one and Columbus for another. It was, you know, I was in Columbus twice, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in Columbus twice in the rookie camps and one development camp in uh, Toronto. And I thought it was just, you know, it was exciting. It was, you know, good experience, you know. Play that rookie tournament in uh, Columbus. The Traverse City tournament is big because it's a lot. It's eight teams, so lots of good good prospects there. And uh, you know, get invited to main camp. One of the things helped me to perform, like like I did last year. You know, coming back from that main camp and get back right in the queue helped me a lot. So I think it's just awesome being around NHL players and see how they, you know, do things. And you learn. You want to learn from the best, right? So. It was awesome for me, you know, have that right mindset I had already before the season started and then, you know, being around NHL players and see what they do. So I think it helped me a lot. Yeah, definitely a good experience to have. And I think uh, you probably took away a lot of a lot of learning experiences from that. Last question for me, Igor, you mentioned your parents came and uh, visited you here in Canada, but for your big day for the draft, they weren't able to be here. However, we all got to see the video of you sharing the moment with them through Zoom. What was that like? I mean, obviously, you're disappointed you can't be there, but at least you're, you're as close to them as you can be. And what did they tell you after you kind of had some time to yourself away from the media and the cameras and everything? Oh, you know, like, obviously, it meant a lot to me that I could, like, you know, like, I'm happy that we're not world, when we're, like, 
you know, like Zoom and all that stuff is biggest thing right now. So I'm happy I could put them on. And, you know, obviously I wanted to them be there, but, you know, you can't control that. It can't happen. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's the world is right now the way. So, and it was just like, you know, my mom just started bawling right away. Like she started crying and stuff like that. So I had to give her a couple of minutes just to, you know, figure, <laughs> like try to just like get back. And I start talking to her and they were just like proud that, you know, like past two years, I just didn't give up on hockey and just like didn't go back home in Russia and just sign a KHL deal. And they were just happy that they were just proud that, you know, I had that push in me that I wanted to prove people wrong. And I always tell them, you know what, like, I don't want to prove, I, obviously I want to prove people wrong, but I want to prove myself that I could do better. Like I want to tell, I want to show myself that, you know, like my last year, but I can do like twice as better this year. Like I just want to prove myself more than, you know, people around, around, like it's just the way I am. And, you know, it was just like awesome seeing my mom and my brother and my dad just, you know, like saying that they're proud of me and they're happy that, you know, like I didn't make that decision to go back home and stuff like that that I kept pushing myself, kept training, keep getting better. Well, it, show, it shows a lot, I, I think, of your dedication to the sport of hockey. And, hey, it paid off in big, big way, being selected by the Ottawa Senators. Everyone in Sens Army is ecstatic to have you. Lots of us, we're all cheering for you to succeed. We can't wait to see you at training camp, whenever it is. Hey, every day, Igor, is one day closer. That yes, much sir. we do it's know. what I was telling myself before NHL draft. I was waiting for that eight months. Think about what I, I was know, already man. myself. Hey, so you must be a Zoom like extraordinaire. How like how many Zoom interviews did you do leading up to the draft? Oh, it was it was crazy a lot. Like when they were saying like the draft is gonna happen back in June, and in May just kept going for twenty like days in a row, just nonstop. And you then know, I, I know everybody Zoom now more than <laughs> anybody else in the world. Was there one interview that was like the weirdest questions? No, I think we didn't we didn't catch it this year because you know usually they do it at the combine. Yeah, right. And uh, it was more of just like you know your personality because at the combine they have like six days just you know talk to you about everything. And then here is like forty minute Zoom call, right? So they mostly want to like find out how like how what person you are and uh, you know just stuff like that. What was your vibe or feeling uh, after you talked to the Ottawa Senators? Did you kind of have an inkling like, okay, this feels like it could work? And I know you were talking to Drake and he was dropping you little hints that they were interested. Yeah, Ottawa was the last call I did before draft. Oh, wow. Which was was weird, right? But, you know, I talked to them and I, it was just like one of those feelings when you like, they're interested in you, but you have a couple teams who called you before and they like, they interested in you in a different way. So I thought maybe, but at the same time, I didn't know. And then Drake, like a couple of weeks before the draft, I come in the gym and he's like, you know what? You're going to get picked by Sands. I'm like, how do you know that? And he's like, <laughs> I just have that feeling. Like I said, I have just that feeling. And he texted me, he called me right away after the draft and said, you know, see, I had that feeling, dude. Oh man. Well, we hope to see you two on a line again together down the road. How much fun would that be? Oh my God. It would be amazing. Oh, man. Well, we actually, we worked in Belleville for the past two seasons. So I think Drake might be graduated, but hey, that opens up a spot on the right wing side. And with with a rebuilding team, what a perfect opportunity for you. A little bit older than the usual draft coming in. And Do you see that as as even extra motivation? Like, hey, there's some open spots here. Yeah, obviously, you know, my goal is always just, you know, like be on my top and, you know, and uh, right now, like, 
like talking to like Ottawa's organization, how they work and uh, how Bell will work. You know, I'm really looking forward to go there and, you know, get my spot and, you know, keep working hard to get to that point, to get to the NHL, to my dream. And, you know, I'm really happy and I'm excited. I'm just looking forward to, you know, everything happening right now. Well, Igor, we're going to have you back on the show right around training camp. We're going to get the tales of how your first one went. As I mentioned, everyone's cheering for you. Thank you, Igor, for joining us on the pod. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Stick taps once again to Igor for joining us. Can't wait to see him at training camp. And thanks to Brian Dubay at OLP Sports for setting us up. He tweeted out that great video of Igor's parents watching his draft reaction. So make sure you go to there or at Send Central. We retweeted the video there. We're also waiting with bated breath for the return of Timmy Superstar. Tim Stutzla uh, broke his hand, as everyone knows, on October 13th. He's getting inching closer and closer. And Bruce Garriock had a great article depicting his progress. Yeah, we, we love hearing that uh, the Stutzla rehab is going well. And, hey, quick, uh, quick Stutzla news for everyone. As you know, I, the fans voted, you guys voted for me to get a Timmy Stutzla jersey. And I, in my order, I specifically asked them to spell it with Stutzla without the E and the umlaut. And I was a little nervous they weren't going to get that done. But confirmation, they are able to customize the jerseys like that. So I will be getting a Stutzla jersey with the umlaut uh, coming in the mail soon. So I'm excited about that for sure. Wow, that's awesome. I like that. Um, So what, did you just go to the customize option? Yeah, you go to customize and then spell it the way you want. And I specifically put a note in that I want the umlaut there. And look, I know maybe that's uh, that's a bit of a hard move, but German guy. And if you listen to our chat with Rachel Dory, she talks about how it's important to uh, have that German heritage still stick out and use that umlaut, not the, the Angla, anglicized version with the E there. So I, I had to do that. So what's the latest? Bruce Garriock saying that we could see him on the ice sooner rather than later? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. So there's a couple, there's some big things I took away from this Gary Ock article. First is the rehab is going well. He's in the gym every day. You love to hear that. And the key thing is they're waiting for him to get a brace on his hand so that he can get back on the ice safely. And then another thing is it looks like 10 of the 14 teams in the DEL have agreed they're going to play. I guess the other four without major TV deals and fans and stuff like that have decided it's not worth it. I'm not sure how that all plays out. That's a little interesting nugget. And then the final thing that's important to note is Timmy's agent, Ben Hankinson, has said that he spoke to both Mannheim and Ottawa about his contract situation. So the discussions are in place. I think Mannheim's just kind of waiting to see when the season will actually start and how things are going to shake out before they go up, go ahead promising releases and changing up contract things. That's that's my idea for from it. So I think everyone's just kind of waiting for, to, for the dust to settle. Then we're going to get a uh, contract signed by the Sens and some sort of contract release statement. Do you think that there should be any nervous energy that it's not going to get done? I mean, we're seeing first-round picks get signed almost every day, like Cole Perfetti, 10th overall pick, just signed his entry-level deal. I know it's different um, in terms of being able to be reassigned to junior and not burn a year or anything like that. I mean, same with if Timmy plays the whole year in the AHL, it doesn't count as a year against the, uh, the entry-level contract. Yeah, I think obviously the – the difference in the pattern is all these guys that are getting signed now are, are playing in Canada or the States. That's why it makes it easy for them to get signed. Right. And I think 
look, you guys know my opinion on this. I'm not in any sort of rush to get Timmy Stutzla playing in the NHL. I think we see a scenario where he plays in World Juniors for Team Germany, and then whatever happens with the DEL season, he finishes the season there, and then he, he gets released from his second year of the contract with Mannheim uh, and comes over to Ottawa. That's that's my opinion. I mean, I, I don't I don't know much. That's just what I'm guessing and thinking is going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see how this all shakes out. The only problem with that is if the season will be January 1st and Ottawa gets that extra week at the start, you want Tim Stutzla at training camp. You want him getting into your system, understanding, even just being in Ottawa, being able to, to get familiar with his surroundings. Is that worth the detriment of not being able to captain the world junior team for Germany? In my opinion, no. Uh, I get what you're saying. It's It would be great to get him uh, acclimated to the guys, the coaches, you know, like get get NHL life, kind of a, a little taste of it, how everything goes. Because they, they always say at the start of a season, guys who are hurt, they're jumping on the treadmill already going full speed. And you don't want that to be the case for a rookie. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I, I think I think Timmy Stutz is going to do all right either way. The The, the more you get him... Uh, prepared for whatever scenario is going to happen, the better. But I, for me, I think it's more important for him to play in the World Juniors, get that confidence, uh, work on his skills. And then if you miss that training camp for the Sens, it's, it's not ideal, but it's not the worst thing. I think it's much more important to get him playing competitive games than it is to get him uh, adjusted to the system and meeting all the guys and stuff. And especially with, with COVID going on, I think the less travel you have to bring your young prospects through, the better. And hey, one more thing that could help for a Sens training camp without Tim Stutzla is there are so many spots that are contested right now. It gives a more of a look to these other guys at training camp because you know when he comes in, he's going to earn himself a spot. And it's just a matter of which guy is going to take this head start and maybe run with it. So I think it does offer a bit more opportunity to these other guys who are in a spot like Schlappick, like Balsers, where they're looking to make this team. And it's... I don't know. It just gives them a little more of an opportunity, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And that's the thing. Like, I think those guys have worked hard and they deserve their chance there. We're not, I'm not saying Timmy Stutzler doesn't deserve the chance there if, if the Senators feel like he's ready. But I just feel like you need to see what you got from those guys before you decide to either keep them or move on from them because all of them are on just – they just re-signed one-year deals and like you said when Timmy Stutzler comes and when the Ottawa Senators know and feel that he's ready he's not going anywhere well one thing we do know is that when Sens training camp starts we're going to be all over that but that's not saying we're not all over it already recording another great interview later this afternoon that we'll tease on tomorrow's show Patrick McNeil the Cape Breton play-by-play guy coming up either tomorrow or Saturday depending on what news breaks today in terms of an NHL Board of Governors meeting. But your team every day, we take that seriously. And next week might be the biggest week in Locked On Senators. I'll I'll leave it at that for now. But for Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.